Today's reading is from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. 1 John chapter 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. <clears throat> Happy Thanksgiving. Can you guys hear me? There you go. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll do it again. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Thanksgiving? Yeah, exactly, right? Thanksgiving is one of those times where we can show our gratitude for the many blessings that we enjoy in life. But like many things in Thanksgiving, you know, we think about this one thing when we think about Thanksgiving, food, turkey, right? Food. Because there's not really any, I guess, for many, you know, for many people, Thanksgiving is not really Thanksgiving without food. So food is a big thing. Because family traditions, you know, are, are rallied around food. And they're intricately related to who we are. You know, our traditions, our beliefs, and our values. So, um, let me give you an example. Raise your hands if you think that there's no Thanksgiving without Turkey. See, you guys, some of you guys raise your hands. Like, my hands are not raised because we've never had turkey for Thanksgiving. That's who we are as a family. You know, you probably think that's weird, but that's just how it is, right? So raise your hands if you think there's no Thanksgiving without rice. <laughs> See, my hands are raised, right? Because it's just like any other meal to us. Thanksgiving dinner has to have rice, like any other meal. Because other than that, it's not going to be a meal. It's going to be a snack, right? It has to have rice. But we thought one of the things that define us as a family is rice, right? We thought we loved rice in our family until last night, until yesterday. We were reminded once again that Filipinos don't really love rice. You know who does? Nigerians. <laughs> Nigerians. I was, in a, I was in a Nigerian birthday party last night. You know, you know the difference between a Nigerian birthday party and a really extravagant wedding? The difference is, in a wedding, there is a bride and a groom. That's it. <laughs> That's the only difference. So I went there and I was like, birthday party? I was dressed like shabbily. They, they probably thought I was like, I, I was washing dishes there afterwards or something. <laughs> I was so un, totally out of the dress code and I thought I was going to like a wedding. I was like, what's happening? I was looking for the birthday party, but it, it was the birthday party. I thought it was a wedding. It was awesome. Nigerians know how to celebrate their mothers. Like, it was for Mama Teresa Ajakaye, 75th birthday yesterday. It was amazing. And I'm telling you, let, let's, let's give her a clap. She's over there in the back. Like, the love that you feel there. I mean, and the food, I'm telling you. Like, I know in the church, there's no more Jews, Greeks, Filipinos, and Nigerians. But I'm telling you, 
there is Filipino food and Nigerian food in the church. <laughs> and the rice. I told you the rice. In, in my parties, Filipino parties, there's one thing of rice. Plain rice on the side. Nigerian party though. There's three things of rice. There's jollof rice. There's, there's, uh, there's fried rice and there's afado rice. All amazing, right? So, I mean, the Nigerians get it. You know, they, 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 they know who they are because of their food. They're, it's amazing. They rally around food and they celebrate around food. And that's what they're known for. You know, in the church, it's the same thing. In the church, we are, we have, God tells us that we need to be known for something. And this one thing that the church needs to be known for, we all know this, is love. And we're going to expand on that this morning. The title of our lesson this morning is this. Church is God's family. And it's in the series that we're calling What We Believe About Church. And one of the things that we believe about church is that we are a family. We are God's family. And we know this because what do we call God? We call Him Father. That's a family thing, right? What do we call, how, how, does he, how does He see us? He sees us, His disciples, His people as His children, His sons and daughters. That's a family thing. Right? What do we call each other in the church? We call each other brothers and sisters. And we see that in our scripture reading. We are called brothers and We call each other brothers and sisters. Remember in Matthew 12, Jesus himself confirms, Who is my mother, my brother, and my sister? Right? My mother, brothers, and sisters are my disciples who do the will of my Father in heaven. Us, the church. That is why we are called God's family. And in our scripture reading this morning, we go even further deeper. In our scripture reading this morning, we see it in 1 John 3, 16 to 18. We confirm the priority of love in the culture of our family. It's part of our, it's, it's the main ingredient in our family culture is love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Love is one of the things that should really communicate who we are to the people around us. We know this because Jesus himself said what the greatest commandment was. Remember in Luke 10, 27 and, others, and, and other variations in, uh, in, in the gospel accounts? Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love God. Love. And then love others as yourselves. Love is huge in the kingdom of God. Love is huge in the church. Love is huge in the family of God. Right? And then in John 13, 35, what does, what does, uh, what, what does Jesus say? This, and we can't miss this. He says, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. That you belong to me. If you love one another. Do you see that? This is why love is huge. Now, this morning, we're going to go deep. We're going to try to answer the question, well, what does this love look like in the church? What is it like to love with the love that Jesus showed us on the cross in God's family? Our scripture reading does not only confirm the priority of love. Our scripture reading this morning tells us two things that we can do. To show our love for one another. And we see it in these verses. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, 
How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So this morning, we're going to look at two ways in which we can practice and show the world that we are from Christ, that we belong to him, that we demonstrate his love to one another. And those two things are these, sacrifice and service. Sacrifice and service. The church will be known by the world through our love, specifically through our sacrificial love and through our love that serves. Sacrifice. Now, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus tells us, we are told of something that Jesus has always, we've always known this about Jesus, that he's the best leader. He's the best leader because Jesus does not only say this, you know, he doesn't say to us, hey guys, hey church, do as I say. He doesn't say that. This is what he does instead. Do as I do. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus wants us to sacrifice our lives for one another. That is what defines our love for each other. But how does God does that? How does Jesus get us to do that? He shows us. He shows us by sacrificing his own life for us. So we can have an example to follow. That is the crux. That is the foundation of our love for one another. Is his love on the cross. That is why every Sunday we are reminded of that cross. Because love is that identifier that God wants us to be identified by. And we have example to draw upon in Christ. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15, we understand that this love... You know, we can't love like that. We can't love like Jesus if, if we just looked inwardly inside of us. If we just thought about ourselves, we can't really love like Jesus did. Right? I'm not, I'm, we're not going to read that yet because I know you guys are reading ahead. You guys are cheating. Okay? We're going we're gonna, to... I'm just going to say this. Some people, some Christians think that their faith or our faith is reserved only between a relationship between us and God. You know, some people say, some Christians say, you know what? God loves me. I love him. We're good. It's just between the two of us. And that's it. I don't need the church. I don't need to be part of any church family, whatever they want to call it. I don't need to be here with the church. It's just me and God. Done. But we know that's not biblical. We know that's not what he wants. We saw, we, we, we understand that when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, well, the greatest commandment is love God and love others. Love others. If you're not loving others, you're not loving God. That is plain and simple. And we see the reason why the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15, for Christ's love compels us. The love that he showed us on the cross gets us to move forward and show love for others. 
Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. So we, we don't have to be an island to ourselves. I don't have to be ruled by what's in it for me. Instead, I, can, I should be ruled by what does my Lord want? See, but for him who died for them and was raised again. What does he want? We saw that in our scripture reading. He showed us how to sacrifice for others and he expects us to do the same. So our love for God is not just between me and God. We demonstrate that towards the people around us. That is what love is. The fruit that we bear in love is not something that we eat ourselves. It's something that is enjoyed by other people. That is the nature of love. And we need to remember that. Now, what does it mean to die for our church family? What does it mean that I die for you and you die for me? What does that really mean? You know, when we think about dying for somebody, we think about heroes, right? We think about those military heroes that died for other people. And I'll give you an example. One example, I believe it's next. There you go. Do you guys remember this guy? This is a this is big news in the Canadian Force. This is an American Marine. That's, that's Corporal Kyle Carpenter, the youngest living recipient of the highest military medal in the U.S. And it's the only medal that you don't wear here. It's the only medal that you wear here around your neck. It's called the Medal of Honor. You guys know how he got the Medal of Honor? They were in Afghanistan in 2010, and they were manning an outpost in the Helmand province. And you know what outposts are? It's just really like you're in the middle of enemy territory, and you just have that piece of land to defend. They can do anything to you. They can like... They can like lob things in there and then explodes. Anything. And you have to always be on guard. So one night, they were, um, uh, he was on the post with another Marine. And the Taliban attacked. So what they did initially was throw grenades. It's easy pickings for them. Throw grenades to where they are. And one of those grenades landed squarely right in front of Corporal Carpenter and his friend while they were on post watching. Right there, there's a grenade by the sandbags. You know what he did? Without thinking about his life, he shielded his friend, his co-worker, from that grenade with his own body. And I know we have kids here today, so I'm not going to go into details of what happened to him, but you can imagine what happened to him. He got mangled. But here's the thing, right? He received the Medal of Honor for it. We not realize that. He didn't die. He's still alive. So what does it mean to die for our brothers and sisters? Did he not die for his brothers and sisters? Or for his friend? To die for one another means <laughs> to really do anything for each other. Because think about it. If I am prepared to die for you and you're prepared to die for me, it means that there's nothing in this world that you got that we won't do for each other. That is what it means when we say, hey, I'm going to die for my brothers and sisters in Christ. It means that I will be patient with you. I will be patient with you 
Especially because I know your weaknesses. And I know your faults. Sometimes we don't want to die for you. You know, sometimes, oh, I die for you, but you know what? You're annoying, so I'm not going to, I'm, I don't like you. If I'm going to die for you, I'm going to be patient with you. And we're going to be compassionate with each other. You know why? We're going to compassion, we're going to be compassionate for each other because when you hurt, I hurt. And when you are in need, I'm going to do my best to go out of my way to help you. You know why? Because I deep carely for you. That's what it means to die for each other. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel? Many of you guys here have kids. And if you don't have kids, you have nephews, you have nieces, right? And you're, you know, there's kids here. Even if you don't have nieces and nephews, you're probably exposed to kids. How do you feel when you see your children or when you see children like just really helping each other, playing really, really well together, you know, showing their love for each other, especially when they share, you know, like little kids go, oh, uh, I don't have any more, but you can have it. How does it make you feel as a parent, for example? It makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, right? It's nice. I'll, I'll, I'll share with you a story. One time, I was picking up the kids. We were picking up the kids. I think I was the only one picking up the kids in school. And then I saw Esther clearly was being harassed or bullied by this one boy. Bigger, bigger than, than her. Like, way bigger than her. How do you guys feel when you guys, if you guys see your kids being harassed or bullied by another child? You feel like this sense of justice, like bubbling up, like, no, this can't be, right? I was ready to go up there and just take Esther away from that child. But you know what happened? My boy Jacob, you, you guys know, he's my oldest. My boy Jacob went there. I couldn't, I don't know what they're talking about because it's far. But I saw him put himself between Esther and that boy who was bigger than him. And you know how I felt? How, how do you guys think I felt? My heart was like this huge. Like that's my boy right there. And later on, I found out, he just, you know, he was talking to the boys, like, he's saying, uh, can you please leave my sister alone? That's what he was saying to the boy the whole time. But he was there shielding his sister from the boy, and eventually the boy leaves. Now, how do you think God feels when he sees his church, his family, helping each other? Being there for each other when push comes to shove. Now, if that doesn't relate to you in a way that I want it to relate to you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the opposite. What do you think God feels when he sees his family not really caring for each other? Not really knowing each other deeply to the point that they would actually sacrifice their lives for each other. How do you think God feels when the notion of sacrificing our lives for another is just something that we understand and know, but not something that we actually do for each other? Because we don't really know each other that well. Because we just come to church and leave. We don't have these deep connections with our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
We are not going to sac- I'm not going to sacrifice my life for anyone if I don't even know what their first name is. Or, or there's not going to be any love. There's not going to be any any deep connection with each other. It's not a family without that. How do you think God feels when instead of love, there's hate in the church? Brothers and sisters, we have to change the way that we think when we look at the church. We are God's family. And as such, we are here to love one another. And that love translates into sacrificing ourselves for one another. And that glorifies God. Now, the second thing that the church is all about is love that serves. Service. In uh, John 3, verse 18, we are clearly told that this love that we have for each other it's not, that, it's not just something that we do with words or speech, but something that we do with actions and in truth. In, John, in 1 John 3.16, we see the example of that, right? This is literally what Jesus did. He did not just tell us to love one another. He showed us how to do it. And he expects the same from us. And in verse 17, we see a really good example of how we do it, of how we serve one another. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Remember, this is something that we do for our brothers and sisters. Okay? If we do not serve one another, where we know we can actually serve them, It means that our love, that God's love is not in us. That makes me feel, you know, concerned. If that should make me feel concerned, if that is me. And I encourage you to think about that for yourselves as well. Now, I want us to to pay attention to verse 18. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We need to act on it. Because love is not just an emotion. It's not, a, it's not just a, an intellectual exercise in, uh, in spirituality. It is a decision that we do for each other every day. Okay, Remember, we saw that earlier when we talked about sacrifice. When we sacrifice each, uh, for each other, it means that we die. It's not that we die for each other. We live for each other on, the day, on a daily basis. And living for each other on a daily basis means that we serve each other. Okay? We serve each other. But how do we wrap our minds around serving one another like Jesus did? How do we really apply that? Now, here's what we need to do. We need to understand church better. We need to really form a godly perspective of who we are as a family. We understand that the church is a family, but in other parts of scripture, we also know that the church is a body. That is how we can wrap our minds around serving one another with sacrificial love. Look at this passage, Romans 12, 4-5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, 
And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Look at the body. This verse is saying that the hand is not like the foot. Because the hand grabs things, and the foot walks. I know some of you guys can grab things with your feet. That's awesome. But the hands are the grabbers, and the feet are the walkers. Okay? And we're saying that we don't have the same function, just like in the church. We all have our gifts, but we all contribute to one thing, the full functioning of the body. Now what happens when we don't just live for ourselves and we have this attitude that each of us belongs to all the others? What happens when we do our part? What happens when we serve each other? This is what happens. Ephesians 4.16 From him, the whole body, that's from Jesus, right? He's the head. The whole body, fitted and knit together, by whom? By all of us, by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love. Remember, we're talking about love. In love by the proper working of each individual part. Do you guys see that? When each individual part works, The whole body grows. Do you see that? What happens when each, when some of the, some of the individual parts don't work? We don't grow. Right? You guys notice somebody in a wheelchair? Why do you think they, they have a wheelchair? Because they can't walk. Their legs don't function. Let's apply that visual in the church. Why do you think the church does not grow? Why do you think the church remains at a certain number and that's it? Why do you think the church is not able to do certain things? Why do you think the church is impeded from allowing God to work through her so that he can be glorified in the church is because some members are not working. Some members are not functioning as a member of the body. They might be the hand, but the hands are limp. They don't want to grab things. They just want to be attached to the body. They just want to be there from time to time. They don't want to work. Now, do you think, do you think that if we are not serving in the church, if we are not doing what we're supposed to do as individuals, do you think you have, we have, a part in the church not growing? Do you think if we're not giving as we ought to from our resources, from our financial resources, from our, from our time, from our efforts, do you think we are contributing to the church not growing? According to this passage, we are. Because it's only when there's the proper working of each individual part that Jesus is able to promote the growth of the body for building itself up in love. 
This is tough. I understand. You, you know, earlier you guys were laughing, but now you were not laughing. Because it is something that we need to really think about. It is something that we need to put here and here and here. Head, hearts, and hands. It's not just something that we should understand and feel convicted about. We need to do something about it. We need to do something about it. Now, this means, okay, that the strong members have to be there for the weak. Look at Romans 15, 1 and 2. We, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. We're not here for ourselves. We are here for one another. Okay? I know this is something that's really hard to fathom and figure out because we live in North America where the individual is number one. But remember, in God's family, he has given us a different culture. And that culture is love. And love is not selfish. It's selfless. We have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Well, how does that look like? What does that look like? It could look a little bit like this. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We need to be able to carry each other's burdens. Again, I'm going to go back to our initial conundrum. How can I carry your burdens if I am not even close to you? If I don't even know your name, I don't even know where you live. If I don't know any of those things, how can there be trust? How can our relationship support something where, where you actually tell me what your burdens are so I can support you in it? Now, I'm not saying that I need to do this for all of you or you need to do this for everybody. But what we're saying is, in the church, we need to have those things in place where we have at least a small group that we can exercise one another commands to each other. Even Jesus Christ did not do it for everyone. We know this, right? Even Jesus Christ did not do it for everybody. You know how many people he did it with? He was close to? Twelve. Twelve disciples. Twelve apostles. And within those twelve, he was really only close to three. I keep telling you that because I, keep rem- I want to keep reminding you that we can do that too in the church because we follow his example, right? He was close to three. Peter, James, and John. He, they were the ones who he said, Guys, I'm so concerned. I'm about to be crucified. I'm about to die. Can you pray with me, please? So they went with him but didn't pray. Remember, they fell asleep. They were the, also the three ones that they were so close to him that he showed them his true self. He's not flesh and bones like what everybody else sees. He was a ball of light, blinding ball of light. That is what he really looked like in real life, Jesus, because he's God. And these three saw that. We need to be able to carry each other's burdens. And what I'm saying today, one of the, one of the first things that I would like you to, to call you to action is this. Look at the church. Who are the people that you're close with in the church? Don't just watch movies with them. 
Don't just eat with them. Don't just shop with them. Pray with them. Sit down with them and tell them and and confess to them your sins, your weaknesses. Be accountable to them for the things that you're going to do so that you can grow in Christ. So that you can be strengthened in those weaknesses. With these few individuals. Study the Bible with them. Serve with them. Minister with them. And also have fun with them. Build deep, meaningful relationships with them. Now, no, I'm almost done. Okay? To conclude, our message this morning is simple. God has given us this mandate to love. This is what we need to be known for as the church, as his family, love. Yeah, I know we show that in food. We show that with our fellowship meals. We show that with service. We show that with sacrifice. But one of the things that I love about the church is that, you know, it's Thanksgiving. One of the things that I'm thankful for is the church. Because this, you are family. You know, I'm closer to you than any of my biological relatives. I know some of them are watching right now online. I said that, mom, dad. I just did. I'm closer to these guys than I'm closer to you, mom and dad. Because these guys are here with me in Winnipeg and you are my family. You know, remember what the apostles said to Jesus? I believe it's in uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. He said to them, We have given up everything to follow you, Jesus. What then shall we have at the end? You know what Jesus said to them? Jesus said to them, Everyone who leaves mother, father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and fields for my sake will receive a hundredfold what they left and will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the church. He's talking about the church. I have what? I have one brother and two sisters. But in the church, you know how many brothers and sisters I have? Hundreds. And that is what I invite all of us to really understand and grasp. Is in our family, we have so much. You know, I have this picture here. I don't know if you, you know John Scully. Have, raise your hands if you've heard of this guy before. There you go. Everybody, yeah, every, yeah, some people have. This guy used to be the chief executive of PepsiCo, Pepsi-Cola company. This guy made PepsiCola like a real, veritable competitor with Coca-Cola. Before, there's Coca-Cola and Pepsi is right here. But he went on board as CEO they were like toe-to-toe with Coke. And we see that today. He introduced Frito-Lay and all those other things that made them really competitive. But you know, there's this guy who tried to poach him away from PepsiCo. Do you guys know who that guy was? He tells them, leave your company, come work for me. You know who that guy was? Steve Jobs, the Apple guy. You know, he says, no, I'm good here. But you know what tipped him? 
to leave PepsiCo and join Apple as a chief executive officer of Apple at some point, introducing things such as, you know, the MP3 player, you know, the click wheel. He did that. The, the, what do you call it? The MP3 player for Apple, like a long time ago? The iPod. He did that. That made Apple extremely successful. You know what? Push him over the edge. Say, okay, I'll join you, Apple. Steve Jobs told him, John, do you want to sell sugar drinks for the rest of your life? Or do you want to join me and change the world? You have your family. We have our own families. We're going to enjoy them today, this weekend. But do you have real family that lasts for eternity? The invitation is the same in the church to all of us. The invitation is this. I'm going to read it in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 to 18. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers... Leave the world, leave the world, and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Look at the family motif here. I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Let's stand and sing for our closing song.